The foundation of motivational interviewing lies in compassion, a compassionate concern for the well-being of the client. It's not about achieving a healthcare provider's objectives. It's about fostering an environment where your clients and patients can achieve their own goals in a really meaningful way. Welcome to the Nutrition Content Creator Podcast. This is where health and wellness professionals come to nail their nutrition content game, scale their practices, and get clients the results they are looking for. Get ready to unlock your potential as a nutrition professional. I'm your host, Jeannie Petrucci, registered dietitian, nutritionist, culinary coach, and expert nutrition content creator. And I'm super excited to go on this journey with you, supporting you with actionable steps you can take to save time and become more competitive. In this podcast, I'll provide you with solutions. I'll be sharing my knowledge and expertise on how to create compelling, dynamic nutrition content that attracts, serves, and retains your ideal clients. Content that also supports you with growing your practice. Let's get into today's episode. It was one of my final classes in my master's program at Teachers College, Columbia University, and it was one of my favorites. My course experience in nutrition counseling really surprised me. After three years, I thought that I was armed with everything that I needed to know to begin my private practice journey, to be able to tell people what they needed to do to change their nutrition-related health behaviors and meet their health goals. Did you hear what I said just now? to be able to tell people what they needed to do. That was truly what I thought, and I was so wrong. And it's not just semantics. Telling people what to do, even if they are coming in and asking specifically for that, is a huge mistake for so many reasons. First, it's an exhausting way to counsel, and it leads to burnout. Second, it doesn't explore the patient's intentions, their motivations, capabilities, and barriers. Telling a patient what to do is more about you mapping out a plan than about them participating in a process to create a sustainable path to success. Before my nutrition counseling course was over, I knew I would get advanced training from the person who wrote the book, both literally and figuratively, on motivational interviewing for nutrition professionals, Molly Kellogg. For those of you who are not familiar with Molly and her work, she is a licensed psychotherapist registered dietitian, and writer from Philadelphia. I remember one of the first things she said early in her program. If you're in your office hoping your next patient will cancel because you're so exhausted, it's time to learn motivational interviewing. Motivational interviewing places the responsibility for change on the patient where it belongs, not on you. It is a client-centered approach that encourages individuals to make behavior changes by helping them explore and resolve their ambivalence to change. Motivational interviewing was originally used in the field of addiction therapy, but it is now used in various healthcare settings, including nutrition counseling. The essence of motivational interviewing, or MI, lies in facilitating a collaborative conversation that allows clients to articulate their own reasons for change rather than imposing your expert perspective on them. And I know it's hard for us because we have been trained to see the path to success, to understand the science behind the changes necessary to drive positive health outcomes, which we so desperately want for our clients. 
But for our clients and patients, simply being educated, forced, or nudged down a path of behavior change simply does not work, and neither does a fire hose of content and resources. Here's an example of what the choice to use motivational interviewing might look like in practice and how it can guide your content selection for a client. Your patient comes into the counseling session asking for a meal plan. As the practitioner, you have two choices here. You can either provide them with said meal plan, thereby satisfying their immediate perceived need, or you can explore why they are asking for one in the first place by asking a simple, open-ended question to facilitate a conversation. Why do you think you need a meal plan? If you prematurely issue the content, the meal plan, you risk overwhelming the client and diluting the personalized guidance that they need. Taking the time to ask the question will reveal the barriers standing in the way of your patient's success and will provide you with the opportunity to explore content that will support and not overwhelm them. Example responses to why do you think you need a meal plan may be, I don't know what foods to eat. I don't have time to create a meal plan. I'm not confident in the kitchen. I get frustrated making recipes my family won't eat. I'm sure you could think of a dozen or more responses you would expect to hear from your patients. These responses inform your intervention, which will, no doubt, include the delivery of a variety of content, which may or may not include a meal plan that they came in asking for. There are four pillars to the spirit of motivational interviewing collaboration, evocation, autonomy, and compassion. First, collaboration. Motivational interviewing is not about dictating terms, but it's about creating a partnership between the patient and the healthcare provider. This is a two-way street where both parties bring something really valuable to the table. Evocation involves drawing out the client's own motivations and solutions. You're not providing the answers, but instead you're asking the questions that allow patients to find their own insights. Autonomy. Again, the focus is on empowering the client to make their own choices. This not only applies to the decisions around healthcare, but also how they engage in the motivational interviewing and counseling process. The foundation of motivational interviewing lies in compassion, a compassionate concern for the well-being of the client. It's not about achieving a healthcare provider's objectives. It's about fostering an environment where your clients and patients can achieve their own goals in a really meaningful way. In the next few segments, I'm not only going to share with you some principles and tools for motivational interviewing, but I'm going to provide you with some real-life examples of what they look like when you're using them in the counseling session. So let's first talk about the four core principles of motivational interviewing. These are empathy, autonomy, rolling with resistance, one of my personal favorites, and developing discrepancy. Let's take a moment to explore how you can use these principles in practice, possible prompts and responses, and what type of content and support you could provide to your client. Let's begin with empathy. The first principle involves creating a non-judgmental and empathetic environment where the client feels heard and understood. This helps in building trust and rapport and can often happen at the very beginning of a counseling session. Here's what it might sound like in practice. Imagine you're counseling a client or patient who's struggling with weight loss. Instead of offering generic advice like, you just need to eat less and exercise more, 
You might say, it sounds like you've tried a lot of different strategies without much success. That must be really frustrating for you. A possible client response might be, yes, it's super frustrating. I feel like nothing works for me. Your response, I can only imagine how discouraging that must feel. What do you think has been missing from the approaches you've tried? Client response, I think I've been trying to make too many changes at once and I get overwhelmed. Your follow-up, it's common to get overwhelmed with so much information. What would you think of focusing on just one behavior change you feel confident making with my support? Here's the effect of this early conversation. By acknowledging their struggles and emotions, you're creating a space where the client feels heard and understood. This builds trust and rapport, which are essential for any therapeutic relationship. Now we'll move on to the principle of autonomy. Recognizing and affirming the client's freedom to make choices is central to motivational interviewing. This principle elevates the role of the client as an active participant in the change process. Here's what it might sound like in practice. If a client says, I know I should stop eating fast food every day, but it's so hard. Instead of pushing them with statements like, you have to stop eating fast food if you want to meet your health goals, you could respond with, it's your choice to eat fast food or not. How do you see it fitting into your life goals? A possible client response, I know it's not helping me get healthier, but it's just so convenient, you know? Your response, convenience is important, especially with your busy lifestyle. What are some convenient options that you think would also align with your health goals? Client response. Maybe some prepackaged salads or healthier takeout options? Your follow-up. Those sound like terrific choices. Tell me about takeout options you have near your work. Here's the effect of this conversation. Affirming the client's freedom to make choices empowers them and acknowledges their role in the change process. It's an invitation for them to consider change rather than feeling pressured to do so. Now we'll move on to the principle of rolling with resistance. This was my favorite principle that I applied most often in the counseling process when I was seeing clients because I don't like conflict. And so it's a really easy way to kind of diffuse conflict, um, but still support the client um, to discover their kind of own solutions. Instead of confronting or combating the client's resistance, motivational interviewing encourages us to work with it. By doing so, you're not forcing the change, but you're allowing the client to really discover their own path to it. So here's what it might sound like in practice. For a client who is resistant to eating more high fiber plant foods for controlling blood sugar levels, for example, instead of saying, if you don't eat more plant foods, your condition will get worse, you might try you have concerns about eating more plant foods. What are some ways you feel you can manage your blood sugar levels? Here's a possible client response. Well, I thought about maybe cutting down on sweets first, then seeing how it goes. Your response. That sounds like a reasonable starting point. What would it look like through the course of your day? Client response. I guess I could start by avoiding the vending machine snacks and maybe bringing my own healthy snacks to work additional follow-up that you might provide. That sounds like a concrete and achievable plan. Tell me about foods you see fitting into your snacks. So you can see where we went from resistance to eating plant foods to a solution that may work for your client in achieving their health goals. 
The effect of this approach is that it avoids avoids direct confrontation, and it opens a dialogue where the client can explore their own reasons and methods for change. It places you both on the same team, working toward a common goal. Now for the principle of developing discrepancy. This involves helping the client to see the inconsistency between their current behavior and their broader goals or values. By highlighting this discrepancy, you can inspire a genuine desire for change. Here's what it might sound like in practice. If a client wants to eat better, but they hate to cook, you might say, on one hand, you want to be healthy, but on the other hand, you really don't like cooking. How do you see resolving that conflict? Possible client response, I don't know. Maybe I could try some simple recipes or meal prep on the weekends. Your response, meal prepping could be a great compromise. It aligns with your goal of eating healthier while minimizing your time spent in the kitchen. How do you feel about taking that as a first step? Response, yeah, sounds like good in theory, but I'm not sure where to start with meal prepping. Your follow-up, starting something new can definitely feel overwhelming. What do you think if we started with planning just snacks for the week with simple no-cook recipes? The effect of this conversation is that by highlighting this discrepancy between their health goal and a current behavior or lack of confidence with a current behavior, in this case, cooking, you might make the client confront the gap. This often leads to a moment of clarity, an aha moment really, creating a natural urge for change. While understanding these core principles of motivational interviewing is essential, putting them into practice is where the true transformation occurs for both you as a practitioner and for your clients. Learning the art of motivational interviewing is much like learning a new language. It requires consistent practice and real world application. If you're new to motivational interviewing, you may find it helpful to practice these techniques in a low-stakes environment first. Engaging in role-play exercises with a colleague, friend, or family member can offer valuable insights into your conversational style, and it can help you fine-tune your approach and just feel overall more comfortable with it. As you gain confidence and expertise, you'll be ready to guide more impactful conversations to support you in navigating these dialogues, you can rely on a well-established framework known as ORS, which we will cover now. The ORS framework is a core set of communication skills used in motivational interviewing to facilitate more productive and empathetic interactions between you and your clients. The acronym stands for open-ended questions, affirmations, reflective listening, and summaries. You may have noticed these in the examples that I just gave. By mastering the framework, you can more readily foster a collaborative environment helping clients move toward meaningful behavior changes. It does take practice, but once you master these tools, I promise that your counseling sessions will be more productive and enjoyable. Here's the breakdown of each element. Open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are questions designed to encourage a full, meaningful answer using your client's own knowledge and feelings. Here's what it could sound like in practice. Instead of asking, do you eat three meals a day, which can be answered with a simple yes or no, some sample open-ended questions might be, can you walk me through what a typical day of eating looks like for you? What are some of the challenges you face when trying to make healthier food choices? How does your current eating pattern align with your health goals? What kind of relationship do you have with food? If you could change one thing about your nutrition habits right now, what would it be and why? Now let's move on to affirmations. 
affirmations are positive reinforcements that promote a sense of competence and recognition. These are really easy to implement in a counseling session. And here are some examples. You've made significant progress by incorporating more fruits and vegetables into your meals. That's a huge step in the right direction. I can see that you've been mindful about your portion sizes, and that's not easy to do. You are making great progress. The R in the ORS framework is for reflective listening. This involves closely listening to what the client is saying, then reflecting it back to them. This can validate the client's feelings and promote further explanation. Now, these are not questions, so your clients are not going to immediately respond. It requires that you pause after you give a reflection. And here's what it might sound like in practice. Your client might say, I always find myself snacking late at night, even though I know it's bad for me. Your possible response could be, it sounds like late night snacking is a habit that's hard for you to break, even though you're aware it's not the best choice for your health. When you pause after your reflection, your client will respond, I promise you. And they're either going to respond to ask you for more information about that, or they're going to elaborate on why they think that late night snacking is a problem for them and what a possible solution could be. Here's another example. Your client might say, I do well with my eating during the week, but on the weekends, I tend to let go. A possible response could be, so it sounds like you're disciplined with your eating on weekdays, but the weekends seem to be a different story. Pause and your client will elaborate. The S in the ORS framework stands for summaries. Summarizing involves bringing together the points discussed during the session to highlight the progress made and outline future steps. I always found it helpful in practice to do kind of micro summaries throughout the counseling session uh, and then provide a, a longer summary at the end of the session, which would outline the future steps. So don't think that you have to wait until the end of the counseling session to provide a summary. You can do it in phases. So in practice, here are what some possible exchanges might sound like using summaries. You might say, so if I understand you correctly, you're finding it hard to break the habit of late night snacking, but you're keenly aware that it's impacting your weight and sleep. Is that correct? Another possible summary could be, from what you've told me, you manage to eat well during weekdays, but find it challenging to keep that momentum going over the weekends. Is that an accurate picture? So you are asking a close-ended question at the end of your summary, but you just want to make sure that you're getting it right. And then it just allows your client to feel like you are listening, number one, and that you are considering everything that they had said and everything that you had worked on in planning the future steps for them to take. The power of motivational interviewing lies in its human-centric approach recognizing that sustainable change is more likely when individuals feel heard, valued, and empowered to act. By incorporating the key elements of motivational interviewing, such as empathy, autonomy, rolling with resistance, and developing discrepancy, along with practical tools like the ORS framework, you can approach discussions about change in a manner that is both collaborative, constructive, and empathetic. Motivational interviewing also provides a lens through which you can sift through an extensive array of possible content options and resources in your Living Play Darks membership to pick what will be the most impactful for the client. 
This selective, client-centered approach not only makes the content or resource more relatable and actionable, but it also fosters a sense of partnership and empowerment, crucial for catalyzing lasting change. And now for your content cure for this week. Your content cure this week is your ultimate guide to motivational interviewing. This resource will get you started with implementing the principles and tools that we talked about today. Don't wait to start using them in a counseling session. Just pick out one principle that you want to focus on and then use one of the ORS framework tools to put it into action. And you can do this with your family, your friends, your colleagues, and wait till you see the response that you get. It is truly freeing and allows you to cultivate deeper relationships, not only with your clients, but with the people in your life. The link to download the guide is in the show notes. Before we end our conversation, please do me a favor and answer these questions. What have you found most helpful in this episode? How do you envision what you learned impacting your practice? Then please write your response below and leave a rating for our podcast. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to bring you more value in next week's episode. That's it for today. Thank you for joining me. I trust that you found value in this episode. Be sure to follow this podcast and remember to download your resources in the show notes. Visit us at livingplaterx.com for complete show notes and access to all the evidence-based nutrition content you need to create a thriving practice that serves up the most delicious and irresistible content your clients are looking for. And don't forget to tune in again next Tuesday as we continue to explore the latest trends in nutrition content marketing.